This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 123 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you with the generous support of Horseshow.com, Equestrian Collections, and Charles Owen. Hello, Chris Stafford back with you, bringing you more news and views from around the world of dressage. And just as you thought the outdoor season was winding down, we're already starting to think about the Indoor World Cup Series, which will be beginning shortly. But before that, of course, we have the Pan American Games taking place in October in Guadalajara, Mexico. And on this week's show, we're going to be meeting Marissa Festerling, who is making her debut on the U.S. team. We're also going to get a report from Horse and Hound's Alice Collins on the British National Championships, which took place recently. And we're also going to begin a new segment later on in the show to feature upcoming events. And we're going to hear about the U.S. Dressage Federation's Regional 3 Championships, which is uh, taking place in October. So all that to come, but I do have a little bit of news for you in just a second. Before we get to that, I do want to remind you about one of our valued sponsors here on the Dressage Radio Show, and that is Horseshow.com. The Fall Dressage Festival has opened its entries for the U.S. Equestrian Federation tests from training through fourth level, tests one to three for all levels at Horseshow.com, and they're judged by Natalie Lamping, an FEII and USEFS licensed judge. All you have to do is submit your video to enter a class and receive a confidential scorecard with marks and comments from the judge for each movement in the test that only you can view. It's an easy, it's as easy as that, and you don't ha- even have to leave home. You can enter at any time by visiting the website at horseshow.com and following the link to the Fall Dressage Festival. Well, as I said, I have a little piece of news for you this week, and that is all about the London 2012 Olympic Games. Of course, it'll be here before you know it, and uh, the Horse Radio Network will be there. I will be covering a dressage for you here on the Dressage Radio Show from London. But the FEI have actually announced the judges for that, and uh, you will know that Stephen Clark had already been appointed as president of the grand jury. Well, the other judges have been named as Leif Tornblad from Denmark, Maribel Alonso from Mexico, Jean-Michel Rudier from France, Gary Rockwell from the USA, and Wim Ennis from the Netherlands, and Evie Eisenhardt from Germany. They will form the dressage grand jury for the London 2012 Olympic Games alongside Stephen. And the grand jury for the Paralympic equestrian event at the uh, London 2012 Paralympics has also been confirmed. Now, that will be... uh, Lillian Janone from Argentina, Freddy Lyman from Belgium, and Prain from France, Gundren Hoffinger from Germany, Sarah Roger from Great Britain, and Carlos Lopez from Portugal. The president of that grand jury will be Kiel Myra from Norway. And also, while we're talking about judges that have been lined up for upcoming events, as I mentioned, World Cup Series is getting underway shortly. The grand jury for the World Cup final, which takes place in Hertogenbosch in the Netherlands from April 18th to the 22nd, will again be a seven-strong grand jury, and that will be uh, 
Guillaume Forage from the Netherlands, who will serve as the president of that, along with Stephen Clark from Great Britain, Gary Rockwell again from the USA, Katrin Wurst from Germany, Isabel Juliette from France, Suzanne Anovanovas from Australia, and Leif Tombland from Denmark. So there's the uh, juries. We'll put a link to those uh, lists for you on our website as well, because I know you like to keep up with what's happening in the international world of dressage. So all that to look forward to. It's going to be a big year next year with, uh, of course, the World Cup finals are always very competitive. And a lot of those riders will be uh, having their sights set on the London Olympic Games. So we'll bring you all of that action next year. But meanwhile, I do want to bring you news from England where they had the national championships just recently. And Alice, Alice Collins, as you will know if you're a regular listen to the show, she is the dressage editor from the popular Horse and Hound magazine. And uh, she has news of that, uh, how that played out this year, some of the highlights from the championship. So let's hear from Alice. Alice, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You uh, have had a very busy time with British dressage, haven't you? you? You guys must have your head and shoulders above the rest of the crowd now with the growth and success of British dressage. You must be feeling very important in the European scene. It's pretty exciting at the moment, <laughs> I have to say. It's the first time that people are looking to us in Europe for horses to buy and you know performance and training and that that's not happened for a long time if ever before it's extraordinary you know we've talked about this before alice but but just you know it's a book isn't it the rise and rise of british dressage and now you know with the olympics uh, just a year away and you've got your sights and on home ground on home turf and your sights no doubt clearly set on nothing less than being on top of that medal podium yeah, we've got a number of riders who are certainly going to do their utmost to try and bring home Team Gold. I'm sure, I'm sure. Well, as you said, we're a long way before we get there, another year, and you've had all kinds of things happening over there recently, not least of all your national championships, and uh, mm-hmm. not too many surprises there, but uh, tell us what happened. How did it look from where you were sitting? Well, our Grand Prix national champion is once again Laura Bettelsteimer with her lovely Andretti, um, Alf, who is Mistral Horace, is having a break after his fantastic year. Um, and Laura rode a slightly tricky Grand Prix on the Saturday, because what happens is there's a Grand Prix on the Saturday and a Kerr on the Sunday, and it's the combined score that gives you your overall national champion. Um, and she was just ahead of Michael Eilberg on uh, Marikoff in Saturday's Grand Prix. But she did have a few issues with the contact, and he didn't look 100% straightforward. Um, but she very much pulled herself together for, for, for Sunday and rode a super test, including flying changes both one times and two times on a curving line with her reins in one hand. She claimed she had some steering problems, but it, it really didn't look <laughs> like it. It was a masterclass. <laughs> well, that, that's always, that's always going to score bonus points, isn't it? Uh, mm, exactly. Hand, those, uh, the, well, the, the changes are on a bending line and the one-handed. The, the judges love that. Yeah, well, it really ups the degree of difficulty. But I have to say, second place Michael Arberg really can't be overlooked. He's not been riding at Grand Prix for very long, but he has head, you know, he, he has an old head on young shoulders, and he rides Marikov, who started off his life show jumping incredibly well. Well, not only Michael, but his sister Marie did pretty well too, didn't she? Yep, she was third on two socks, and she also announced his retirement at the end of her Kerr test, and she got a full standing ovation from the crowd. And I have to say, I looked around, and there were not many dry eyes. He's a real sweetheart. Oh. 
Well, let's uh, let's talk about the other stars of the championships then, Megan. What sort of attendance did you get at those championships? What sort of size classes would you have? Put it in perspective for us, uh, Alice. Well, I think the biggest class was the elementary open, which attracted 34 entries. Um, so they're quite chunky classes, and they can run over you know four or five hours sometimes. Um, but looking to the small tour, it was Carl Hester that took the into two uh, on a lovely grey horse called Merlin's Numerosis. And uh, he's only competed this horse twice and, you know, obviously doing really well. And he cantered out of the first piaf, but Carl is such a master that he managed to get the horse's attention back again. He scored nines for his pirouettes, and and that's definitely a Grand Prix horse in the making. And tell us about the um, Shearwater Potential International Dressage Horse Championship, the four-year-old. Well, it'll come as no surprise that Farouche dominated those classes she got given a 9.82 uh and she is i mean she is truly something exceptional um what happens in the shearwater is there are there's a ride judge and for the top two four-year-olds and the top two five-year-olds are assessed separately um by a rider and when dan sheriff who was ride judging went off he said oh my god i'm actually shaking this is an honor and something i'll never forget so yeah, I think he was he was pretty nervous about it, and he was joking that he was going to hope that she bolted into the back of his lorry, and he was going to say, well, it's not my fault. She's very sharp. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about those classes. What sort of numbers would you get for that for the, for the, for the four-year-old uh, class? I think we had about um, 24-year-olds and about 25-year-olds forward, and they have the pre-judging on the Saturday, whereby they go in in groups of two or three or four, and... They trot and canter and walk around and they're assessed for their basic paces and given an overall mark. And from them, the top eight four-year-olds and five-year-olds go back in the following day. And then from them, the top two of each age group are selected and they go into this final judging with the ride judge. And the horse that stood reserve supreme was a four-year-old because the last four compete against each other, the two four-year-olds and the two five-year-olds. Um, and uh, the reserve champion was a four-year-old called Carisio, uh, sorry, Carincio, and he's by Painted Black out of a Beaujolais mare. So really exciting prospect with Becky Moody, and uh, she's producing these young horses um, with a lady who's got a string of mares, so hopefully she'll have um, these young horses coming up, you know, not just the one-off, and she's going to be having them coming up now. Well, you mentioned Becky Moody. There are a number of names that would not be as familiar with our listeners around the world here, Alice. And uh, the, obviously the top riders we, we know so well. But what other riders would you consider to be riding, rising stars that we should look out for? Well, uh, I'm not sure if I can call Michael Eilberg a rising star or a risen star. <laughs> a risen star, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but he he rode um well between him and his sister they rode nine horses at these championships um and he rode something like 14 tests i mean a how he remembered them i don't know but he has a superb string of mares um he had three mares by maggio who is um a previous world champion stallion who stands in the uk with him one of those was dawn roshan who is farouche's mother and he won the psg on her and another one who I'm personally really excited about um, is a mare called Half Moon Delphi. She's a grey mare, and she has the most incredible hind leg you've ever seen. She almost overtakes her front end in the flying changes. And I know that Michael thinks that she is in the same league as Farouche and, and really has big things on the horizon for her. 
Very, very exciting. Who, who else should we look out there? Of course, their names, we're familiar with them. I'm thinking of, you know, the other very much rising stars in British dressage that we should be looking out for, the potential team well, members in a couple of years' time, for, for example. One that definitely caught my eye um, was in the medium restricted, a guy called Darren Crow, who I wasn't really familiar with before, but I was watching and I looked across and I said to the person I was sitting next to, gosh, that guy sits beautifully on a horse. Who is he? Uh, and we watched his test um, with a tricky horse called Monterey. Uh, they even asked that he not be photographed because they were worried that the cameras would set him off because he's got a, some naughty tendencies, let's say. Um, and Darren rode a beautiful test and won the medium class. And it's, it was even more special because um, Darren had cancer and had two years out of the saddle and it was his first national championship. So it was just an unbelievable fairy tale, that one. That's wonderful. Yeah, in, you know, it's just so exciting yeah, the, the talent that you have both in riders and in horses here for the future. You know, the... Yeah, well, another rising star um, that, that, that caught my eye is a chestnut gelding who's British bred called G.F. DeVille. Sorry, he's a stallion who's British bred called G.F. DeVille under Dan Greenwood, who won the elementary open. I mean, he's, Dan describes him as a cool customer. And he really is. I mean, he sort of, he, there was clapping and cheering from the person who had been previously. And he walked in and he pricked his ears and he said, okay, that's fine. And off he went. He's a really, really special horse. So I think good things, good things in the pipeline for him. Terrific. Well, we should also mention the European Paradressage Championships took place as well. And I think you, you had things your own way as well, didn't you? I should say Britain did. Yeah, that's right. We are still unbeaten on the international stage in Paradressage, I'm very proud to say. Uh, we had an all-girl team, and they brought home eight golds and three silvers, which is absolutely remarkable. You know, including people making their their debuts on teams who were coming back. You know, with, with team gold. So, yeah, it's not just the the, the able-bodied dressage that's exciting for us at the moment, but the powers are incredible. And I'd like to especially mention Sophie Wells because she competes in able-bodied classes too. She has specially adapted reins with hooks because she doesn't find it easy to hold normal reins. But she was competing in the Inter One and the Inter One Music at the Nationals and was top 10 in both classes. I mean, she's truly an inspiration. Amazing, amazing. So where were they held? Tell us a little bit about where they were. Did Horse and Hound cover those or did you have a reporter over there? The Europeans. We yeah. did cover the Europeans. They were in Morsel in Belgium uh, at the beginning of September. And I think that some of the horses that then went on to do the Nationals I wouldn't say it was an anti-climax for the power riders, but it definitely didn't feel like the big deal of the year for them, you know, because they'd already had their major championships and they'd done so exceptionally well that the Nationals was just the icing on the cake, really. Um, also, it's quite unusual. We've only got a couple of competitions in this country for the powers where they have to actually ride outdoors, compete outdoors. Um, normally it's indoor competition. So I think that that probably has an effect on them and, and possibly makes them ride a little bit more safely. Mm. Yes, understandably too. Great. Mm. Well, it really is all going Britain's way right now. What do you look forward to over the winter for the indoor competitions, Alice? Um, well, we have. Um, what happens now is we have a qualifying period for the winter regionals. Uh, and then the Winter Championships, which happens sort of April time of next year. And people often tend to consolidate their training at home over the winter, try and get their winter to regional qualifications in the bag um, before the horrible weather sets in, which sadly always does. Uh, but yeah, the winter's often quite a quiet time for people. But um, the one thing we really have to look forward to is Olympia, 
which is a big show that happens in December, and it has the one World Cup qualifier of this country. Um, so we normally get some big names from uh, from the UK and over from the continent for that. And I know that that's when Charlotte and Carl are next planning on bringing Vallegro and Utopia out. Well, of course, there is that uh, big old show that you have at the end of the year. Some of our listeners in England will be well familiar with that. And that is, of course, is the Horse of the Year show, which historically, I'm not sure, I haven't been there for a few years, but historically used to parade champions like European championships and so on. Will they be parading the the European team, do you know? At, at, the, at this I year's doubt Horse of the Year it. show? Um, they don't really have dressage at the Horse of the Year show. It's more showing and show jumping show. Um, yes, so but they, would dre- they used to parade the, any champions, any team champions, you know, eventers and, jump, you know, whoever they would, they would parade in the past. Um, I just wondered if the, uh, the, the dressage team would get their moment in the, in the limelight there. I haven't heard of that happening in dressage, no. Ah, well, maybe because, you know, we haven't had so many medals. We never had any. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, always good fun to talk to you. Thank you, Alice, for the update and uh, enjoy the full season over there. We'll look forward to getting more updates from you. No problem. Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to turn our attention to the upcoming Pan American Games in just a second and hear from one of the U.S. team members. Marisa Festerling. But before that, I want to remind you about one of our sponsors here on the Dressage Radio Show that make this show possible, and that, of course, is Equestrian Collections. The full season being upon us now, it's time to start thinking about your horse's blankets again. Perhaps it's time for a new one. Well, Equestrian Collections has an extensive range of blankets for all weather conditions from the popular horseware choices of Amigo, Rhino, and Rambo models for turning out. When it gets colder, your horse will be ready with a brand new blanket from Equestrian Collections. And if you use your coupon code HRN at the checkout, you'll get a further $10 off your next order of $100 or more. Equestrian Collections is a participating retailer of the Horse World Gives Back campaign. Please be sure to visit their website at equestriancollections.com. Well, as I said, my guest this week, Marissa Festerling, is making her debut on the U.S. team. Very, very exciting turning point in her career to make the team. And a lot of you will maybe not be so familiar with Marissa because she has not been in the international limelight, so as so many of my guests have. But I'm delighted to be able to introduce you to her because obviously it's a very exciting time for her. I was able to catch up with her after the selection trials as she now begins her final preparation before heading down to Mexico in, for those uh, championships which take place in the middle of October, which we'll be bringing you more of. So let's hear from Marissa and find out what it feels like to be named for a national team. Well, hi, Marissa. Welcome to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Chris. How are you? Well, great to have you on the show. And first of all, a huge congratulations. Has it all sunk in yet that you are on the U.S. team for the Pan American Games? Well, thank you. Um, Yeah, it started to sink in. I think it took about a week for it to really (laughs) seem like it was really happening. Um, The first, you know, couple days were just kind of like a whirlwind. And I mean, I was so excited and and happy. And and, um, I just, it, it didn't really seem like it was real, you know. And then the show kind of ended and, you know, we, I moved my horse to the place where we're staying over. We're staying with Betsy Steiner in, uh, in New Jersey for a few weeks um, before we moved to the training. So now that I've been here for, you know, another week or so, 
and we're kind of in a routine, I feel like, wow, this is really happening, you know, and I'm staying here, and so it's been pretty cool. Well, it, it really must be a dream come true, and you've had, your horse is the perfect name that you finally hit the big time with big time, and I'm sure that <laughs> pun is going to be used many times in future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a remarkable story, and and obviously a dream come true for you, Marissa, to make the team. So let's uh, give everybody a little bit of backstory as to where Marissa Festerling came from, because I know there's going to be people around the world listening, Marissa, and they'll say, well, I've heard of Heather, I've heard of Stefan, now who is Marissa Festerling? So let's tell them who Marissa Festerling is, because your name is uh, going to be up there in the limelight now that you're on the team, and and it and it all began, I think, uh, not with dressage, but you began your riding it, just having a bit of fun in another discipline, didn't you? Yeah, I actually started riding, I mean, before I could walk, uh, my grandparents have quarter horses, and they had cattle and stuff, and I started riding on my grandparents' quarter horses when I was a baby, and um, I they didn't live real, real close to me, but every chance that I had, or every family family outing to visit them, I would ride, and I kind of grew up doing that, you know, when I could, or in the summers, and stuff like that, but I was always just a complete horse nut, horse crazy kid, and um, when I was probably 15 or 16, my parents finally broke down and bought me a horse, (laughs) and it was a, (laughs) I just, I think I pestered them to death for long enough, and they bought me a horse, and I mowed lawns, and I did all kinds of chores and stuff to make money to, you know, to help pay for his care and for my lessons. And I started taking English riding lessons then. I think I was about 15. And um, the horse was a little crazy, you know, kind of that first horse crazy thing, thoroughbred, you know. Um, and I, I rode with a, at a small place for about a year or two and um, kind of realized that, you know, it maybe wasn't so safe, and I should try to, you know, find something somewhere else to go. So I ended up um, finding Marie when I was 16 years old, and I've been with her, Marie, Marie Myers, um, for 18 years now. And um, she's, of course, been my mentor, my trainer, my coach. She's been very, very good to me. Um, I actually... I didn't know really... I didn't know anything at the time, but I read about her in a Practical Horseman article about famous riders, and it was their Christmas wish list article, and she wanted a horsehead-shaped jacuzzi. So <laughs> I, thought, I thought she sounded really cool, and she happened, to, she happened to be located pretty close to where I live in California. And um, so I started calling her, and she was out of town, and I kept calling, and her husband, Frank, kept answering. And so finally I got to go out for a lesson, and I think I went for one or two lessons, and she... I think she thought that I desperately needed help. It was so bad. And so she offered to let me stay as a working student um, for like a couple weeks in the summer. So I did. I came and and I never left. (laughs) So um, several horses later, you know, we're now on to this, you know, we call him Frankie in the barn. Um, And he's, of course, an exceptional horse. We've had him since he was, I think, four, three and a half, four years old. Um, and, you know, he's a, a super, super horse. He's a super competition horse. He loves being at the shows. Um, he's, he's not the first young horse I had. I've had, he's probably the fourth or fifth one that I've started with. 
the other horses were really good too. They just I sold I sold them along the way, you know, or things happened, so I didn't keep them to this point, you know, where they were really solid uh, trained FEI horses. Um, but we have had a few along the way, and uh, Frankie, of course, is, is such a good one that when we we saw him, you know, Marie actually bought him in in Belgium when he was a baby, and brought him over and. It just worked out that I ended up buying him from her with one of my clients, and we planned to just, you know, see how far it could go and train him, and he went to the World Championships for Young Horses when he was five, so that was in 2006 we did that. That was in Germany, and uh, he did really well there. It was really, really super. Um, it was a really good trip for both of us. You know, it was my first big international competition, and he just proved that as a five-year-old, you know, to go over there and travel like that and do that well, he was he was really a legitimate competitor, and he handled it so well. And that was really great to see. And then that was 2006. Um, the next year, I had my daughter, Ella, who is almost four now. So we did not do any more of the young horse stuff after that. And then after I had my daughter, we started doing like the fourth level, the pre-St. George stuff. And last year I took him, I brought him to Gladstone last year. We did the intermediate championships last year. We finished fifth. And then we came back, of course, for this year for the Pan Am trials. So that's a little bit kind of of my history, you know, kind of the the uh, condensed version, I guess. Well, we'll hear more from Marissa and that special partnership in just a second. But I first of all, I want to remind you about Charles Owen, one of our valued sponsors here on the show. Charles Owen is world famous for its range of safety helmets. But did you know that it also has an extensive range of gloves and boots and other accessories for all disciplines? From the Chester to New Ascot gloves and a popular collection of riding hats for all levels of dressage. And not forgetting the all-important hairnets. They also have an accessory for women to keep your shoulders straight, too. So if you're shopping for a new hat or gloves, then look no further than Charles Owen. You can find out more about their products on their website at charlesowen.co.uk. So obviously this is a partnership that's really worked for you because you've had him for so long. He's what now? T- would he be 10 or 11 now, Marissa? He's 10. He's 10, He's 10. He's 10. Right now, mm-hmm. what kind of personality does he have? Then does he literally take all this in his stride, jet setting around the country, around the world? Is is he a you know the right sort of temperament for a, you know a team horse? I I think he is. Yeah, definitely. He um, I, it's almost like the bigger the occasion, the better he is. Which God God love him for that <laughs> because at home he's. He's a very he's a very quiet, relaxed horse at home. He he's happy to go on a trail ride. He's not a fire breathing dragon or anything like that, you know. Uh, he's he's fairly docile. He has funny quirks like a lot of good horses. He has certain ways he wants to be handled and we have certain routines we go through that he kind of expects, you know, every day. And and if he's used to his routine and his people, he's a really good boy. But um as far as, like, big competitions go, it's, I feel like, I mean, of course he's my horse and I've had him so long and I know him. I, I even know the way his eyes look, how he is that day. But, but I feel like he knows almost when we're in a competition and, and he likes the crowd. He likes the audience. You know, he doesn't shy away from that. So that's been really wonderful 
as far as competing because so far, you know, when we go to a big competition, he he really steps up and that gives you confidence as a rider, you know, as in your partnership. I think that's really important thing and I've been really, really lucky with him in that way. Well, although you've had some international experience with him, Marissa, and, and obviously been to Gladstone before, as you mentioned, going into the selection trials this year, did you feel you had a good crack at getting on the team? What what were your expectations of him and of your performances? Well, I we went in in uh, fifth place into the trials, which, you know, once you get there, those are scores are all thrown out. You know, you're all on an even playing field, and... I, a lot of the horses from the East Coast, you know, we don't actually see till we get back here. So I don't always, you don't always know what to expect. Um, as far as that goes, I knew Stefan and his horse very well because we were at every, every show with them. And uh, so I, I kind of, I knew what to expect with that. You know, I knew, I knew that was going to be really good uh, and, and tough to beat. Um, I had never seen Cesar's horse or Heather's horse in person. So I knew they were really good, and I, but I, I had never seen them go. And then some of the other people, like Shauna Harding, I, I'd never actually seen that those horses. Well, I've seen them ride in person, you know, on other horses, but never seen them. And I guess going in, I just I knew we had a good chance. Um, I thought that we would do well here, you know, as long as everything everything went as planned. I, I guess I just went into it thinking, you know, I was going to do my very best to just ride each day separately, just take each day, do the very best I could just to stay focused on the job at hand, which was just to put in three solid tests um, and just kind of break it down day by day. You know, even from the days we got here beforehand and we were training, I, I just tried to keep my horse happy and, you know, keep him feeling good and just keep us on track because, you know, each day you get on, it's like a new day starting over. You know, it's it's a fresh new day. And I even if I had a really good test one day, I knew the next day, you know, I had to get on and, and, and be just as focused and do the same thing. So I thought that we had a good chance, but I didn't really let myself think about it too much um, until the whole thing was over. <laughs> then I kind of stopped and thought about it, you know. In the midst of it, I was just thinking about the writing, and that was kind of it. Now, what kind of a competitor are you, Marissa? Do you handle the nerves and, and the the whole occasion of competition and the pressure that goes with it? How, how do you how do you channel that so you're off, you are focused solely on your performance? Is this something that you would have to really address when you now that you're in a team situation? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so far, so far, I haven't really you know found any issues with it. I I don't really have any routines or any pregame things I do. You know, I um, I don't really go off by myself or anything. Um, I I just I just always try to tell myself that it's 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 I'm just riding. It's just another ride, like at home. Actually, the only thing I think kind of is when I ride in the competition arena. In my mind, it it sort of looks like our arena at home, and that's kind of what I try to think of and sort of just attack the test in the same way as if I were at home, you know, and, and so I don't really feel like I'm in another situation. I, I, but I don't have like any, 
special um, ways, you know, that I prepare myself, really. I just, when I know the time is coming and it's a couple hours out, I just try to, I do think about my test and think about my ride, but I, uh, I'm pretty happy if just my normal crew is around and I know my horse is going to be ready on time. I think that's the one thing that can be stressful is if you feel like you're rushed. You know, for me, I don't like to feel like I'm rushed as it comes closer. So I just like to know everything's ready and all my tack is ready and everything. And, and that's about it. You know, then once you get on the ride, it's kind of like you just do your thing. Hopefully. <laughs> well, of course, in a, in a team situation, you just have the one horse, one competition, one one horse to focus on. So it's a bit of a luxury in a way that you can really focus on that one horse and all the other distractions yeah, yeah. Um, are, are on one side. And you, I, I believe you have a, a very loyal groom for Frankie in, in Leanne. Tell us about Leanne and how long she's been with you and known Frankie. Well, she's been really, really great. She actually does an amazing job because she is not our normal groom. She lives here in New Jersey and she came last year. Uh, last year was the first time I met her. Actually, she came uh, to Gladstone last year with us and groomed him through the competition. And then she, I, I asked her if she would be available this year, if we came back and she said she probably would be. So I talked to her a couple months ago and she was free. She was available to come. So she came, you know, the week the week before that we were here and throughout the competition and she's amazing. You know, she has a, a really good way with him and he really, really loves her and she's, she's quiet and really capable. So they really clicked, which is great for me because to have someone here in this area, you know, I, I didn't have to fly a groom from home out, which, which we would have done, but it, it did save me a lot of money. In, in not having to bring someone and, you know, fly them and then get a car and all kinds, you know, all kinds of logistics that are involved with these kind of trips. So it was really great, but she has been wonderful. Um, she's actually going to help us through the pre-games training, which is up in Long Valley, New Jersey. She's going to help us there. And then I have one of the, a groom from home is actually coming to the games in Guadalajara with us because in, on top of everything else, Leanda, she goes to school also. <laughs> ah. So she's so, very busy. So yeah, she so she she can't actually come to Guadalajara, so she has to stay here and go to school. <laughs> so who is your groom that will be traveling with you to Guadalajara? The groom that's going to come with us is actually a girl that I teach at home. Her name's Caitlin Zaka, and she's a student of of mine. And she's really, really, really great. Um, super dependable, very experienced. Um, she's also a writer, uh, but very, very good, and she's coming for part of the pre-games training, and then she'll travel with Frankie on the plane to Guadalajara with the other team horses. Well, of course, support team is critical, isn't it, at any competition, especially when you make the team Absolutely. and travel overseas. <laughs> and you, you have, as you mentioned earlier, you have your daughter, Ella, who's a big helper, and your husband, they'll all be <laughs> traveling with you, will they? Yeah, they're actually... Ella is here now with me because, I've you know, for this extended stay away, we... We, uh, it was a little bit long for me to be gone from home, so she's here with me for a few weeks. Then when the pre-games training starts, she will go home with my husband. So he's going to come out for a couple of short visits because he's at home working right now. So she'll go back with him, and then he will actually come to Guadalajara to watch us, to watch the competition. And uh, But in between, he's got to go home and 
take care of everything at home and, and go to work and do all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, it has required a really big support team, you know, and then also Marie, my trainer, she's coming back twice to help me here. And then she's also got the job of running our whole business at home and taking care of our clients and students there. So I think she's probably the busiest person through all of this, through the whole journey and the travel and everything. She's, she's got a lot that she's, she's taking care of. So it's, it's taken everybody, you know, to make this happen. And I, you know, I so appreciate everything everyone's done. It wouldn't have been possible without everybody being on board and so supportive. Well, you made the point there about the business being kept running while you're away on team duties. And that, of course, is important. A lot of riders have the same situation. They have to step away from their business in order to get into team training. And, and obviously, there's a you know, loss of business as well if they're the only person. It, it does involve a lot of sacrifice, doesn't it? Not a, we mentioned the team support, the family support you have, the team support you have at home and, and with your family, but, but it also doesn't involve sacrifices for yourself because you're not able to ride your other horses and, and, and deal with your other clients while you're doing this, Marissa. No. Exactly, and, and I think a lot of riders have the same issue. It's, I think it's especially hard when you live on the West Coast because... You have to come, you know, first just for the trials. You have to come in advance, so you stay for that. And then with, with this year being a team year, you know, if you make it, you have to stay. I could have gone home, I suppose, but I would have had to fly my horse all the way home and then all the way back in a period of another three weeks. And, you know, I thought that could be that could be hard on him. Even any kind of travel is risky, and and the, the cost of it was, was too much, you know, for me to do. Um, so I'm here for... You know, when all is said and done, by the time I've left to come for the trials and the time I, by the time I get back after the games, it'll be about seven weeks that I've been gone. And so that, that in itself costs money. You know, it does. You have to have your business running. And, I mean, I'm very fortunate that, that Marie and I are a partnership and she's there, you know. Um, but, but it is. It's hard. It is. It, it takes a lot of planning, a lot of planning. Well, obviously, this is, as I said, is a, is a lifetime journey for you to have reached this point where you're making your debut on the team. So I'm bound to ask that: you, uh, Do you have other horses back in the barn, Mercer, that you have for for future team prospects? I, I right now, uh, Frankie is my only horse that I personally own. Um, we do ride horses for other people. We have you know clients who ride their own horses. Also, uh, we. We sell a lot of horses. That's one of our big things we're known for is selling really nice amateur horses and young horses also. And um, so I ride and show a lot of other horses. A lot of them are horses that are for sale, though. So, you know, if, if they get sold, then that's, you know, that's what we do. We move on to the next one. If we find a really exceptional one and someone wants to leave it with us, then, you know, we, we do that, too. Um, but right now, as far as like one, you know, one specific special horse I have, I, I don't really have one in the wings right now. But this one obviously is very, very exciting. And, and obviously the rest of the, it's all a, a journey now, isn't it? You're now to the next phase, the, the pre-games training that you'll go into and then obviously shipping to Guadalajara. Which part of that excites you the most? Is it, is it being part of a team and having 
that experience as well, Marissa, that, that you're really looking forward to? Because I can imagine, obviously, normally we, we, in, we compete individually, but to be part of a team is a whole new experience, isn't it? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a huge honor, I think, to, you know, to represent your country. You know, you dream of, of wearing the, the USA, you know, on your back, wearing the flag on your horse's pad and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's an honor, you know, and it is an honor to, to compete against other riders who are, who are so good. And, you know, everyone who, who made it, who just makes it to the trials is, 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 just, is super and their horses are really good. And so I think that, you know, when you, when you make it and, and you achieve that, it's, it is an, it is an honor, you know, for me, it's, it's just to say, you know, wow, I, I'm, I'm on the team with these people, you know, Olympians and, and great riders and stuff. And it, it's really exciting. Um, you know, I, I can't wait to go and to go to Guadalajara as part of the American team. I, I think it's going to be so exciting and a great experience. And, and for sure, something that I'll remember for, you know, my entire life. I, I hope there's more teams I'm on after this, but but you know, regardless, it will it will still be a a huge huge moment for me in my life. You know, um, not just in the writing, but just you know, you work really hard for something for a long time, and and to to say you know, I'm part of the American team. I ride for USA. It's really really cool. <laughs> Absolutely cool. Well, as Anne Gribbins, the chef de creepers, described it, it is a dream team and. Uh, and you obviously are blessed to be a part of that, and hopefully it will be a dream come true for you, Marissa. The very, very best of luck. Enjoy every minute of the experience. Thank and, you. And we look forward to catching up with you after the Games and hearing all about it. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to go really well, and I, I think that... I think that we'll we'll do really great down there, and I'm I'm just I'm really excited. So thank you so much for for having me. And we will, of course, be following the fortunes of not just the U.S. team, but all the teams competing at the Pan American Games in Guadalajara, Mexico, next month. So stay tuned for more of that. But now I want to bring you a brand new segment here on the Dressage Radio Show, and that is uh, about featured upcoming events. As I said, we get a lot of requests from different dressage events, clinics, competitions around the world. So we're opening up this opportunity for your show, your event, wherever you are in the world, to be featured on the show. And our featured competition this week is the U.S. Dressage Federation's Region 3 Championships, which take place next month in October. So let's hear all about them. Well, I'm joined now by Elodie Mainwell from Region 3, U.S. Dressage Federation's Region 3. Elodie, welcome to the show and welcome to our highlighted upcoming events segment. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be able to share that with everyone. Well, you have a big championship, as I said, coming up, don't you, in October. October 14th through 16th, isn't it? That's correct. And it is in Ocala, Florida. And uh, like you said, it's the Region 3 Championships. It'll be five states that'll be competing, um, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, and South South Carolina. And um, I I guess everyone knows that riders come with... um, um, Approved because they've received two scores from two different judges, two different shows, and it has to be at a certain level for them to be invited to the championships. So we have, we. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just curious about the different levels. Then the championships. So have you? Do you have all levels during? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it'll be training through Grand Prix, 
and um, also we'll have musical freestyles. So there will be a great variety to come and watch and enjoy and top top level riders and um, it'll be very educational. And um, besides that, we have a lot of activities going on as well. Um, some of those that we have are, uh, just to mention a few, we have a tour of Kesmark, which is a world-class rehab center in Ocala. There will be an open house on Thursday from 5 to 7, so you'll be able to get a shuttle bus and go enjoy wine and cheese and have a tour of the facility. Um, the people that run this facility are amazing. They are dedicated to the rehab and treatment of your horse. There's um, facilities like salt and freshwater treadmills, um, acupuncture, chiropractic um, treatments, nutritional programs, um, individualized exercise programs. It's just an amazing facility to see. Yes, and we have one, of course, up here in Kentucky, and they really are. It's actually quite close to me, and wonderful, wonderful facilities. Definitely worth a look around it because very educational and quite an eye-opener to see all the things that they can do. So that's quite a bonus feature you have. Yes, and uh, we also have the Horse America, which is the interactive riding simulator. Um, the America will be at the showgrounds the entire weekend. Um, it's the first time ever in the area, and um, you can purchase a ride on, on her, and every rider can help. It, it helps every rider find an optimal riding position, and um, it's fully controlled by an instructor. So that's a lot of fun to be able to do that. There's a mirror in front of you, and you'll ride and if you have any fears or issues or want to learn something, it's, it gives you feedback right then and there. A horse that can talk to you. What more could you want? <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. It's rather like the flight simulator, isn't it? You know, can allay, allay all your fears of flying or riding. That's right, exactly. Um, the one thing I did want to mention, too, is there is a DC, uh, DSDCTA open show at the same time. So if um, you wanted to, to, sh to just bring your horse and show, you can go ahead and still sign up for that and participate. You'll need to just go onto the dsdcta.org website and then find the show secretary, which is uh, Lloyd Landkammer. Right. We should explain that is the Deep South Dressage and Combined Training Association. In case yeah. you're wondering, uh, five states, you said, um, pay taking part in the championship so it's quite a big competition to organize and I'm sure you have a, a whole organizing committee that's behind this then Elodie. Yes we do have an organizing committee behind this everyone's working very hard and our volunteers will be there working very hard and I just want to say this is all to benefit two charities that um, will receive a portion of the proceeds from the show and the charities that we have are the Stirrup and Stride Therapeutic Riding Program and that's a program for veterans and the physically impaired. And then we also have Paws for Patriots, which provides service dogs for veterans. So we're excited to be able to contribute um, a portion of the proceeds to those two charities. Well, that's fantastic. And, of course, um, there's a lot more information on your website. We'll put a link to that, of course, at dsdcta.org. It will be on our website, too. And uh, we'll be promoting this for the uh, twice more before the event at fourteenth uh, um, to the sixteenth of October. And it, tell us exactly where people can find the event. What is the location of the event? Um, oh goodness, you would ask me that. I don't know exactly. It, it is in Ocala, Florida. It's at the Hits Showgrounds. Okay. So I, 
I think if you just go onto the website, it, the uh, information will be there of exactly how to get there. Right. That's the um, post-time farm, isn't it, in Okinawa? That's it, exactly. Right. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you very much for telling us about it, and uh, we'll look forward to promoting it further here on the Dressage Radio Show. And good luck with the event, Elodie. Thank you very much. And if you would like your show, event, clinic, whatever it may be in the, in the dressage world, if you would like it featured on our segment of Featured Upcoming Events, then please send me an email to chris at horseradionetwork.com. That's C-H-R-I-S, chris at horseradionetwork.com. Well, I've had a few great suggestions for our segment of great partnerships that I'm going to be bringing you over the future months here. I'm looking forward to that. So keep sending your suggestions for any of those great partnerships you'd like to hear about. Or you can post them on our Facebook fan page, which a lot of people do too. So keep those suggestions coming and we'll keep our guests coming here on the show to bring you memories of great partnerships. I also want to remind you, of course, about our young reporters that we are always looking for young reporters if you're under 20 years of age and want to report on your show anywhere in the world again just send me an email to chris at horseradionetwork.com and if you haven't checked out the equestrian legends show brand new show we're now on episode five at equestrianlegends.com or on itunes as you know you can listen to all of our shows on itunes too and equestrian legends brings you memories of some of those most famous horsemen and women from around the world and around the horse world and in their own voice i mean it is a wonderful wonderful show i'm really enjoying that are bringing that bi-weekly and that's at equestrianlegends.com and if you have any suggestions for people that I should be featuring on that show I would love to hear from you too we're not only covering the three Olympic disciplines we are covering horsemen and women who have made a significant contribution and are regarded as equestrian legends in their field that's at equestrianlegends.com I want to thank my guests this week for joining me Marissa Festerling to Horse and Hounds, Alice Collins, and to Elodie Madewell from U.S. Dressage Federation's Region 3. And, of course, to our valued sponsors on the show that make it possible, that is Horseshow.com, Equestrian Collections, and Charles Owen. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. Don't forget to, to check out all the show notes and links on our website at dressageradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter, as always, at Horse Radio, and you can follow me, Chris E. Stafford. And we have a very active Facebook page. I love to hear your comments on there, so don't be shy. Post your notes, comments, questions, and suggestions for the Dressage Radio show right there. And as always, it's a pleasure to be bringing you the show each week. I want to thank you very much for your company, and I will be back at the same time, same place next week. So until then, enjoy your dressage, and thank you for listening. Thank you.